Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, September 29th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. You know, we've been gaslit. Gaslighting. It's defined as a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser, the government in this case, attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in the minds of their victim. Typically, gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the other person by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. This is exactly what the ruling class and their courtesans in the media and academia are doing to us. Look, we all know this economy is a complete train wreck. I I really wanted to say it's a you-know-what show, but trying to keep this a family-friendly show. But you know what I mean. The economy is a wreck, and it's negatively impacting most of us, pretty much all of us. But we've got a bunch of politicians and economists and mainstream spinmeisters and people in academia trying to tell us that we're really not experiencing what we're experiencing. And I'll be honest with you, it's pretty enraging. I'm a little fired up because it reveals the disdain the political class has for us, the average people, the people that they're supposed to be serving. They're not trying to serve us. They're manipulating us. And they think that we're a bunch of dumb rubes that just don't understand what's going on around us. And they think that we can be easily manipulated. And, you know, okay, I guess that's true for some, maybe a lot of people, but not us. Not us that are listening to this show. Because we're not having it. And I'm going to help you not have it. I'm going to give you some examples of the gaslighting that we're getting from the political class as we go through today's show. But before we get into all of that, I guess I should probably talk a little bit about the big sell-off in gold that we saw this week. It really started on Wednesday with a big drop and it continued into Thursday, uh, dropped about 10 bucks on Thursday. Um, you know, through the week, the price of gold crashed through $1,900 an ounce. It crashed through 1875 and it actually tested 1850 uh, The price of gold closed, spot price, uh, closed just over 1865 an ounce on Thursday. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, given the carnage in the bond market, the strength of the dollar... And the way the markets are viewing the Fed, the psychology in the markets right now, I'm not certain we're at the floor. Gold may well test $1,800 an ounce. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of thought this would happen last week after the Fed meeting. The, the Fed came out. It was more hawkish than I think a lot of people anticipated. They were talking about keeping interest rates higher for longer. You know, we did the whole dot plot thing. We talked about that last week. And, of course, it really doesn't matter what the Fed says. What's really important is what the Fed does. Absolutely true. But when it comes to market psychology, when it comes to what is the market going to do tomorrow, you know, what is it going to do on Monday? It's not going to do anything tomorrow because it's Saturday. But, you know, you know what I mean. That, that psychology... That matters in the short term. What people think 
the Fed is going to do or be able to do. That matters in the short run, and that's really what's driving markets right now. Stocks, bonds, all of it. So, um, yeah, I, I think we could see some more some more selling in, in the price of gold. Um, but, you know, if you really think back, if you really step back and look at the big picture, I would argue that gold prices are actually pretty solid. I mean, think about it. We've had well over a year, almost two years, of Fed tightening, a dollar strength. You know, uh, we, we've seen these cycles where every time the Fed hikes interest rates or hints at hiking interest rates, anytime a Fed official comes out and flaps his jaws and talks about, you know, how, how we're going to be tighter for longer and we're committed to fighting inflation, every time we get this, we see these sell-offs in gold. And... Interestingly, it always seems to rebound, right? I mean, we've been down in in this in this range before. Uh, in in the spring, we were down in the eighteen hundreds, and, uh, and and it was able to rebound again. So, gold has been extremely resilient despite the headwinds, and I think that's significant. I think when we look back at some point and and look at the last couple of years, we're going to be maybe a, a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the word is, maybe optimistic, or or we're going to say, in retrospect, that gold was a lot more solid than than we really realized uh, as as it was happening. Um, Anyway, you know, I I think it's it's all really because deep down, the markets think that the Fed is going to rescue them. That's the bottom line. You know, we're still in this same narrative. Reality hasn't hit yet. Uh, There's no sign of a recession. Nothing is broken in the economy that's really visible. Of course, we've talked about the fact that we're in the midst of a financial crisis, uh, and that financial crisis is still bubbling under the surface. Uh, And then there's lots of warning signs out there if you care to look for them. But if you're just looking at the surface, you know, just looking at the data that's coming out uh, from, you know, various government agencies, if you're just listening to the spin on CNBC or MSNBC or Fox Business or whatever, you're going to get the impression that things are pretty okay. I keep saying this. It's a lot like 2007, right? Um, so, what I'm getting at is this sell-off doesn't dampen my longer-term bullish outlook on gold. I still think we're heading for a big economic crash. I still think the Fed is going to be cutting rates uh, next year to deal with it, or you know maybe late next year. Whenever, whenever the crash happens, that's what the Fed does, right? The Fed goes back to easy money. Um, I, I don't think that the Fed is going to hold interest rates higher for longer. I don't think the dot plots are going to be right. And I certainly don't think that inflation is beat. And you know, again, I still think it's going to take a while for this to play out. Again, we're still somewhere maybe in 2007, maybe early 2008. It's hard to say. But it takes a long time for these things to unfold. I keep returning to this phrase. Things happen slowly and then all at once. That's exactly how the 2008 financial crisis unfolded. And again, I'm not saying that this is going to be just like the 2008 financial crisis. Very different dynamics, very different things going on in the economy. But we're heading towards a crash. In fact, I think it's probably going to be worse than the 2008 financial crisis, but that's just my uh, burning negativity, I guess. Anyway, the big sell-off in bonds that um, I mentioned is something that I think is really worth noting. We're seeing a, a, a just carnage in the bond market right now. Yields keep pushing upward, um, and, and that's part of what's pushing down gold. 
But I really think that a lot of people are underestimating what's actually going on in the bond market. Think about it for a second here. Think about the problem that this represents, the fact that we're seeing yields rise to such a level. The 10-year Treasury is approaching 5%. It's actually currently around 4.5. Uh, I think it's been as high as 4.56, so, so knocking on the door of 4.7. The last time the 10-year was at 5% was 2001. Okay, big deal, you might think. We survived, right? We got there. We, we, we got past it. Here's the thing. In 2001, the national debt was $3.3 trillion. You heard me right, $3.3 trillion. Of course, today, the national debt is $33 trillion. I mean, if you do math, and I'm not great at math, but I can do a little bit of math. If you do any math at all, it's very clear that this whole scenario does not work. So I keep saying this over and over again, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. This economy is not built to run with interest rates at this level. Now, I should pause here and, and note that interest rates aren't really that high in, in kind of historical perspective. I mean, 5% isn't that high. We've certainly seen interest rates and yields a lot higher than 5%. The problem is the combination of higher interest rates and all of the debt in the economy. We have evolved to a point that the economy is simply not built to run with interest rates at this level. The economy is built on a foundation of cheap money. And I'm talking about every facet of it. The government, the deficits, government budget, all built on cheap money. Businesses, built on cheap money. The real estate market, running on cheap money. Consumer spending, it's propped up by cheap money. You have to have the cheap money, right? It's the heroin addict, right? We use this analogy all the time. You get somebody addicted to heroin, they have to have the heroin. You take the heroin away from them, it becomes a huge problem. You keep giving them the heroin, it becomes a big problem. That's where we are. But you have to have the cheap money. Why? Because there's too much debt. And it's not just the national debt. Businesses are levered to the hilt. The average American is living off credit cards, incidentally, with interest rates well over 20%. So, it's not sustainable, right? You have to have the easy money. The easy money has been taken away it's inevitable, right? I can't say when, but I can say what. This is not sustainable. But nobody's worried. You know why? Because in their heart of hearts, nobody really thinks that yields are going to stay high for very long. I mean, even the Fed with their dot plots and, and all the talk for staying tighter for longer, even them, even they are saying that they're going to cut interest rates twice next year. So, it's not even really that tight. So, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating because people are kind of living in this fantasy land. They're living in this world of illusion. The, the average person out there in the mainstream financial world still believes we're heading back to the good old days of 2% inflation and really low interest rates, right? You know, maybe 0 to 1 to 2% and still having 2% inflation because that's what we had from basically 2008 on. So, everybody expects that that's the norm now. That wasn't the norm. That was the anomaly. We're, we're heading back toward the norm, which is higher interest rates, and you can't have this much debt. I cannot emphasize that enough. So, 
I don't think the good old days of 2% inflation and low interest rates is, is something that's reasonable, but that's what everybody thinks. We have a lot of people, if you think about it, there are a lot of people that are working in the financial world right now that are a lot younger than me. I'm 56, okay? So they're a lot younger than me. They've not known anything other than, you know, th- this this Fed-manipulated uh, funny money economy. That's what they're used to. They think that's reality. They don't have any historical perspective. And, you know, us old curmudgeons, I mean, we do have some perspective, but nobody wants to listen to us because we're old curmudgeons, I guess. Anyway, speaking of old curmudgeons, um, you really need to check out an interview that Jim Grant did on CNBC this week. Jim Grant is one of my favorite financial analysts, um, and he's not really a curmudgeon. He's actually quite pleasant, and and, uh, one of the things I really love about him is he has a way with words. Um, But he was on CNBC to talk about the economy and and, and the bond market and, and all of these things, and he said he thinks that we're in the early days of a generational bear market in bonds meaning that we're going to see interest rates creeping up for many years to come. That if you look at the next 20, 30 years, you're going to see a a steady uh, increase in interest rates. Now, of course, it's not going to go up in any kind of straight line. There'll be dips and turns and whatnot. But but he's saying that we're entering this generational bear market in bonds. And honestly, he makes a pretty convincing case using the historical bond cycle that we've kind of seen in the bond market since really the mid-1800s, since around the Civil War. Uh, So you can check that out. I'll link to it on the show notes page um, to check out the whole uh, interview. But, you know, I just think it's interesting because he brings a a very um, contrarian view to what's going on with interest rates. It really dovetails in with what Peter Schiff has been saying, what I've been saying, and, and with uh, what a number of other people that kind of are in the Austrian uh, economic world uh, and kind of view things through that economic uh, prism. Um, so you might be asking, though, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about interest rates continuing to create creep up for year after year, won't the Fed keep this from happening? And Grant basically said that we give the central bank way too much credit for what it can and can't control. I'm, I'm going to read this one quote that Grant said, because I think it's pretty poignant. He said, we have been used to, I think, imputing to the Fed immense powers of foresight and control. But oftentimes, the Fed, like so many of us, find itself not in the vanguard of action or thought, but rather running behind to catch up. You know, the Fed can will all it likes to return to the 2% world it has defined for itself. But if the past is prologue, the Fed will be evolving a new set of narratives to explain the new world. And I expect that to be coming at Jackson Hole any summer now. Again, I'll, I'll link to the whole interview in the show notes. It's definitely worth checking out. But wouldn't increasing interest rates over time be bearish for gold? Well, no, because there's other factors in play, right? There's going to be a massive economic crash. And what does the Fed do when the economy crashes? It prints money. I mean, we're talking about stagflation here. So long term, I think there's good reason to be bullish on gold. We're, we're going to see the Fed fighting against this bear market in bonds, um, and, and whereas it was kind of playing into the uh, bull market in bonds that we had back in uh, 2008. Anyway, so another thing that uh, you probably should be keeping an eye on is the price of oil. Uh, 
Uh, Brent crude was well over $96 a barrel on Thursday. Now, do you really think that CPI, and part of CPI is oil and energy prices, do you really think that's going to come down? Are we going to continue to see cooling CPI with oil prices rising at this rate? And, and Uncle Joe has already pretty much emptied their strategic oil reserve. I mean, he can't pull that rabbit out of his hat again. So, Peter Schiff has been talking about this a lot, the price of oil and how it's going to impact the CPI, how inflation isn't dead, how we're going to start seeing an increase in CPI. Uh, he's certainly right about the oil going up. I mean, that's, that's uh, undeniable. There's one last bit of data I want to touch on, and that is the third revision of the GDP for the second quarter that came out this week. Now, the headline number didn't cause any surprise. GDP was 2.1% in Q2, according to this uh, this revision. And this is exactly what was projected, and it was unchanged from the second revision that came out, I guess, a month or six weeks ago or so. But if you dig in a little bit, there was a big revision in the internals. Consumer spending was revised down sharply, increasing only 0.8%, and that compares to the 1.7% increase that was charted in the second estimate. So, big problem, right? Because consumer spending is a huge part of the American economy. So, uh, there was much less of this than they said uh, in the last revision. So basically, what I'm telling you is that all of this talk about the resilient consumer who is keeping the economy cruising along, it's BS. People aren't spending to the degree we're being told that they're spending. And of course, to the extent that they are spending, well, they're putting it on credit cards. And, you know, this is one of the ways the political class gaslights us. They release a bunch of data. They cheer about how great it is, tell us the economy is booming, and then they quietly revise it downward a few months later. Now, of course, the revisions rarely, if ever, make the headlines. So people are left believing things are way better than they really are. I mean, this is gaslighting 101, right? You're you're perceiving that the economy isn't so great, and they release this data and tell you it's outstanding, and you're like, oh, well, okay. I mean, they say it's outstanding. I guess it is. And then they go back later, and they revise it down, but they don't tell you about that. So you're still thinking about that great data, you know, the headlines that we heard three months ago. Oh, GDP was great. Consumers are spending. And they aren't. It's gaslighting. So what's going on? Um, you know, this is especially true with jobs data. They keep screaming about how many jobs the economy is creating. But did you know that they have, rev- have revised the numbers downward for every single month this year, every freaking month. Revisions for June and July alone erased over 100,000 jobs from the economy. Poof, gone. And it's almost like they're doing this on purpose to make us believe that the economy is better than it is. Now, am I saying that the government is lying to us? Eh, you decide. <laughs> I report you decide. We'll pretend like this is Fox News or something. Um, Yeah, I mean, if they're not lying to us, I mean, it's the same impact, right? So, oh, anyway, by the way, the economy is great. 
I mean, it's buzzing along, right? Absolutely fantastic. The Federal Reserve people told me so. They upped their GDP growth projections at their last meeting. No recession in sight. Oh, and Joe Biden told me so too. I mean, he keeps bragging about the marvelous achievements of Bidenomics. Mainstream economists, they keep telling us the economy is strong. Dudes on the MSNBC, CNBC, Fox Business, they all say everything's great. Also, there basically isn't any more inflation. Paul Krugman declared inflation is dead. I mean, he's a Nobel Prize winning political hat, I mean, economist. He can't be wrong, can he? And that goofy lady who speaks for Joe Biden, she said so too. She said, quote, this president has been so zeroed in, so laser focused on lowering costs for Americans, and we've done this. So this is the stuff the political class is telling us. And by the way, when I say political class, I don't just mean elected officials. You know, I'm not just talking about people in government uh, power. I'm also including bureaucrats, uh, the academics who spin the data for the politicians, the corporate media, all of the people who make government work. That's the political class. And by work, I mean screwing over the average Joe while enriching themselves. Yeah, I'm a little bit cynical today. But here's the thing. For all of their efforts to blow sunshine and rainbows up our butts, average people aren't buying what they're selling. I don't know, maybe price inflation has made it too expensive. But the consumer confidence data bears this out. After tanking in August, consumer confidence dipped again in September, falling to the lowest level in four months. The conference board's consumer confidence index fell to 103.0 this month. That was from an upwardly revised 108.7 in August. That was the worst um, that was worse than the consensus projection, which was 105.5. Now, people's expectations for the future, those continue to tank. The expectations index, which is based on consumers' short-term outlook for income, business, and labor market conditions, that declined to 73.7 in September, and that follows on the heels of a plunge to 83.3 back in August. So, an expectations index that is below 80 generally signals an impending recession. Now, if you look at the uh, at these surveys, um, Americans are also still fretting about rising prices, despite assurances from Paul Krugman, who insists the inflation war is over and and uh, inflation is dead. Here's how the conference board economists summed up the, um, the most recent consumer confidence data. Quote, September's disappointing headline number reflected another decline in the expectations index as the present situation index was little changed. Write-in responses showed that consumers continued to be preoccupied with rising prices in general and for groceries and gasoline in particular. Consumers also expressed concerns about the political situation um, and higher interest rates, the decline in consumer confidence, confidence was evident across all age groups and notably among consumers with household incomes of $50,000 or more. Also, according to the conference board, when asked about current family financial conditions, which um, is not included in the calculation for the present situations index, the share of respondents citing a good situation fell again, and those citing bad conditions rose, signaling rising concern about current family finances. So, the average person out there ain't so sanguine on the economy. 
And, you know, by the way, consumer confidence never did recover to pre-pandemic levels. Um, In the three to four years prior to the pandemic, the consumer confidence index generally ranged above 120. Now, we know what the political class is saying, Biden, Fed people, reporters on financial news networks. We know what they're saying. And we see this consumer confidence data. There's a disconnect there, right? There's a huge disconnect between the average American's perception of the economy and the views held by economists, pundits, and government officials. Why? I guess the question is, why isn't the gaslighting working, right? Well, maybe we aren't quite the stupid rubes the political class imagines us to be. I mean, we are living our lives, right? So we know what's going on. We're not so stupid that we don't recognize what's going on in our own lives and in our own bank accounts. Now, of course, the fact that we aren't swallowing their economic BS hook, line, and sinker just motivates them to double down on the gaslighting, and that's exactly what they're doing. There was a CNN article that, um, I think it came out this week, actually, um, and it elevates gaslighting to a, a pretty epic level. The report touted, quote, Biden's strong economy, and then it asked why it, quote, feels so bad. To most Americans. And here's a snippet of this fine CNN reporting. Quote, by almost any objective measure, Americans are doing much better economically than they were nearly three years ago when President Joe Biden took office. Still, a majority, 58%, say Biden's policies have made economic conditions worse. So, in other words, what CNN is trying to imply is, why can't these dummies understand how good they have it? I mean, the numbers don't lie, do they? Yes, they do. <clears throat> uh, the article quoted University of Michigan economist Justin Wolfers, who's as big a political hack as Paul Krugman, by the way. And he insisted that there is, quote, literally no question that the economy has improved under Biden. No question. So if you're questioning it, I mean, you're just an idiot, according to Wolfers. I mean, he is a University of Michigan economist, after all. <laughs> um, so... You, out there in the podcast audience, why are you questioning Bidenomics? How dare you? Now, I don't know if these people are genuinely flummoxed by their inability to convince us that this steaming pile of poo is ice cream, or if this is just another gaslighting operation trying to make people go, hmm, well, I guess it is ice cream. Looks good. I think I'll have a bite. Regardless, it sure does seem like these people don't live in the real world, right? And you know, maybe they don't. I mean, most of them are in D.C. or New York City, so I'm not sure that those places actually are part of the real world. Maybe there's some kind of uh, uh, weird portal into another dimension. Anyway, regardless, the political class, you know, no matter where they live, they actually exist in a world of data and spin that they can manipulate to formulate a narrative. They love their narratives. And again, I'm not sure if they really believe them or not. It doesn't really matter when you boil it all down. I think some of them actually do. Uh, And then I think for some of them, it's just, you know, it's just spins what they're getting paid to do. But um, I think some of them actually are clueless. I mean, after all, they have people to help them with everything they do, right? You know, they have people grocery shop for them and, and do all of this stuff. But anyway, 
I don't know about you, but I don't have any people. So here's the thing. Narratives don't matter to a couple in the checkout line at the grocery store trying to figure out how they're going to pay for their food this week. You know, they don't care about Krugman's spin when they're having to put some food away back on the shelf because they can't afford it. Spin makes no difference when I'm filling up my car with gas, right? You can tell me prices are coming down all day. I know better when I see the numbers spinning on the gas pump. So this brings me back to White House spokesperson Karen Jean-Pierre. Remember, she told us that Biden is bringing prices down. Now, I know some people out there will actually believe that. They'll say, hey, look, the CPI is lower. So she's not lying. Prices are coming down. Biden did make the prices come down. This is just ignorance. And I guess that's part of why this gaslighting thing works. There's a lot of ignorant people out there. There's a lot of people that don't understand economics at all. But look, the CPI just tells us that prices aren't rising quite as fast as they were. Prices aren't going down. Nothing's going down. I mean, they're just rising slower, maybe. It's just BS spin. So, the other day, I ran into a couple of headlines that, honestly, they tell you just about everything you need to know about the political and pundit class and their disconnect from normal life and and what they think of you. That's really what this is going to tell you. This is what they think of you. Now, these are both from earlier this year. One of them says, uh, CPI report today live. Inflation cooled to 6.4% in January. Woohoo! Great news, right? CPI cooled. And then... Same exact uh, uh, issue, Wall Street Journal. To save money, maybe you should skip breakfast. So, here's the message that I get from this. CPI is cooling, so just skip breakfast. Everything is fine. What? First off, what kind of gall does it take to tell somebody, you know, you're not really having that big of a problem with rising prices. Just skip breakfast. Everything will be fine. Really? Oh my gosh, these people are just horrible. They're sociopaths. I've said this before. Go sometime. Fun fun little homework activity. Go Google sociopath or the characteristics of a sociopath. Get a list of those characteristics and think about how many of them apply to politicians. Virtually all of them. They're all sociopaths. I think most people that are earning a living in the political class are sociopaths. Anyway, I, you know what? Just screw these people. <laughs> Here's another example, and this is from the uh, CNN story. Americans are obviously doing fine because they are spending money, according to CNN, and that's keeping the U.S. economy, quote, humming. And then this is a quote from the article. Put another way, people are spending like they're in a good mood, even if they say they're not. So in other words, these dummies are saying everything is awful, but they're buying stuff, so that means things are really great. So when they say it's awful, they don't even know what they're talking about, because obviously it's great because they're spending money. Are you telling me that they're actually saying people don't know what they're talking about when it comes to their own lives? Like, like their view of their situation isn't valid? Come on. I, I, you know what? Next thing you're going to hear is that they're saying things are awful just because they're racist. That'll be next. Now, of course, those of us out there that are trying to live our lives, we know exactly why we're in a bad mood. Americans have blown through their savings, and they're now keeping up this spending spree with credit cards. You see, in the real world, people don't just spend money when they want to. 
And I think sometimes that's what some of these people in the political class think. Well, they just, they spend if they want to, and if they don't want to, they don't know. Most of us have to fill up our vehicles with gas. We have to buy groceries. We have to pay our rent or our mortgage. We have to pay for our insurance, a water bill, whether we want to or not. And if we don't have cash on hand, then we have to dip on, into savings or liquidate retirement fee accounts or charge it to credit cards. We have to pay the bills. So yeah, no wonder people are grumpy. So here's another classic gaslighting move. Economists and Fed officials insist that price inflation is cooling, right? But they remove food and energy prices from the discussion and they fixate on core inflation to make their case. Now, this sounds fine in a news report or an op-ed or in an academic paper, I guess. But you know, it falls a little flat for the average person who can't just X food and energy out of their budgets. You know, maybe next time I go to Publix, I'll tell them I don't need to pay for my groceries because I just X'd it out. You know, it's it's not part of core CPI, so I don't have to pay this. Uh, but, but, but Mike, what about jobs? Plenty of jobs. It's great. Jobs are great. That's one of the things we've heard over and over again. We know the economy is strong because the economy is creating jobs. So people should be happy. But of course, again, when you dig into the data and, and, and shovel past all the spin, you discover that more and more people are working two or more jobs just trying to make ends meet, right? They don't want to max out their credit cards or dig into their savings. So they're going to go deliver pizzas so they can pay their bills because of inflation. It's cooling. Um, that actually accounts for a lot of the job creation because when you have job data, right, if, if I go get a part-time job, in the data, that counts as one new job. It's a job created. Mike going to deliver pizzas because, you know, he's not making enough money doing a podcast. That would be construed as a new job created, and everybody should be happy. And, of course, I've already mentioned the fact that after trumpeting big job numbers month after month, government people go back and quietly revise the numbers down the following month. Um, and, again, you never hear about that in the headlines. They've revised the job numbers down seven months this year. I already, already mentioned that fact. So, you know, here's the bottom line. Here's what I'm getting at with all of this talk about gaslighting. You can take the data and you can spin this into the greatest economy in history, right? Biden can talk about how great Bidenomics is. He can tell us how wonderful everything is. Our real life doesn't care about politics and spin. We understand our own economic reality. And you know what? We're not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I bet you're not happy about it. Most people aren't happy about it. So that's my rant for today. I should call this the uh, Friday Gold Rant. Um, but yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, gold prices pretty low right now. I look at these kinds of dips as a buying opportunity. Might be a good time if you've thought about getting into gold, positioning yourself into gold or silver, or maybe adding to your portfolio. Perfect time to call a shift gold precious metal specialist. You can do that at 1-888-GOLD-160. You can email info at shiftgold.com, or you can simply go to our website, shiftgold.com, Go to the Getting Started page, and you can chat with the Precious Metal Specialist right there online, and uh, they'll tell you, you know, what products we offer. They'll help you kind of figure out how precious metals might fit into your investment strategy. Guys are fantastic. Give them a call. Do it today. With that, we're going to call that a gold wrap for this week, and of course, you can get more details on all of these stories and more. And you can keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. 
If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Bolt Friday Gold Wrap. Uh, we're on uh, the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Uh, we're on the uh, Spotify Podcast. We're on the Shit YouTube channel. You'll find links to all of those on the show notes page along with our social media channels. Um, you're welcome to email me, mmeharry at shiftgold.com. I always appreciate hearing from people. One guy sent me a nice uh, remedy for uh, sinus infections. Appreciate that. Uh, love hearing from folks. I hope everybody has a wonderful and fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you again next week.